Good morning. Um, I am a teacher at heart. I am not a preacher. So if you came this morning to hear a sermon, I'm sorry, you're not going to hear one. Um, I get to end the series on, well, not end the series on prayer, because hopefully it's becoming part of your life and it's ongoing. But our teaching series here for this time, I get to end. And a teacher always has supplies that they need to get out of their bags. So thank you for your patience. I hope that you all had a good week. Um, I promise you're all not going to be here till lunch. Oh, wrong thing. Um, I did not grow up in a home that knew Jesus, so prayer was not part of my life. I don't know if you were here on Mother's Day, but you heard my story, and I'm not going into that again. And I was thinking about prayer as I've been praying to get ready for this, and I thought, I wonder what the fir- if you can remember the first prayer that you prayed as a child. Or if you were like me and didn't grow up in a believing home, maybe you were an adult before you prayed. Was it, now I lay me, you can join with me if you know it, down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. Anybody here pray that when they were little or have their parents? How many of you had nightmares? (laughs) Um, And then there's God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. My prayer journey started when I was probably, well, 14, 15, when I was walking to churches that were close to my home and learned about church prayer. But I had no idea that it was something that I could or should do at home. And at six, my first prayer that I can remember praying was when I was 16. And my dad had promised that when I got my license that he would get me a car. And before that happened, he and my mom divorced. I didn't get to see him, and I didn't get a car. And by this time, I was going to a church that was too far away to walk to, so people had to come and get me, or I had to ride the church bus. And after I got my license, I started praying, Lord, if you will just give me a car, then I can go to church and not have to bother anybody. I'll be there for Sunday morning. I'll be there for youth group. Just think about how great it would be if you would give me a car. And I prayed that prayer over and over and over again. And I was probably 50 years old before I had a car that was my own. (laughs) Um, The next prayer I can remember praying specifically was when I was probably six or seven months pregnant with um, what ended up being our third daughter. I have twins and then had a daughter. And I came from the kitchen into the living room and the couch was pulled away from the wall a little bit. And one of my twins was laying on the floor twitching and then she just went limp. And there was a screwdriver on the floor and there was an outlet there. And I was convinced that she had electrocuted herself and called EMS, we went to the emergency room and sitting in, the, um, in those wonderfully uncomfortable ER room chairs, I must have been a mess because my husband reached over and he grabbed my hand. He said, I'm going to pray with you a scripture that we just learned in our discipleship group, and I think it'd be really good if you learned it. It's Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. And I'm thinking, 
that's my baby back there. Don't be telling me not to worry. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I'm so thankful that that scripture is one of the first ones that I learned to pray from. Did it always work when I was anxious? No, but at least it gave me a starting point. A few months after that, when I delivered that baby I was pregnant with, I, um, a friend came to the hospital and brought me this book. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God, and it's by a monk called Brother Lawrence. And I cannot fully explain the impact that this book had on my understanding of how God wants us to live. I was going to church. I mean, my husband and I went every Sunday morning, Sunday night. We were there for Sunday school. We were there on Wednesday night. If there was revival, we were there every night. But reading this book changed a lot of things for me. And I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from it. It's a collection of um, conversations and letters from Brother Lawrence to a friend. Lord, this is Brother Lawrence, Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up plates and having three children and a husband. I understood that, but I never thought that I could get to a place of being a saint because I was washing dishes and changing diapers. And This is what um, really arrested my attention. This isn't on like page eight of this book. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, how many parents can relate to that? I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. And I thought, oh, I want that kind of life where God is with me regardless of what I'm doing. In the tenth letter that's in the sorry, in the tenth letter that's in this book, he is talking about how um, he had made it a practice to be aware of the presence of God, and I thought, oh, that's a real nice thing to think about and to say, and you know, give it the polite head nod, and then I read, pray, remember what I've recommended to you, which is. To think often on God, by day, by night, in your business, and even in your diversions. He is always near you and with you. Leave him not alone. And I thought, yeah, I know. God's with us all the time, blah, 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 blah. But he isn't raising toddlers and newborns and all the other crazy stuff. And then it says, you would think it rude to leave a friend alone who came to visit you. Why then must God be neglected? And I'm like, ugh, that puts a different spin on things. And that's why I say that this book became um, almost life-changing because it made me understand that I could pray for the Lord to make me aware of his presence. And as you do that, then you become aware of his presence. And it's easy to have conversations in times when you normally wouldn't have had conversations with him. 
A few years later, I had a friend who started the, this is the second book that had an impact on my life. And the Bible has too. I'm just talking about different books. Sorry, I don't want you to think I'm a heathen up here. Um, the Navigators 2-7 series is, is the discipleship course that my husband went through that he got that verses 6 and 7 from Philippians 4 from. And I started through it. Um, and when it came time to memorize, I already knew those. So I thought, well, I'm going to read a little bit ahead and read verses 4 and 5 on purpose, like paying attention. And this is what they say. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. If it's repeated, it's probably important. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. I thought, wait, I'm supposed to rejoice always? Uh, My life is pretty crazy. It's not always rejoice worthy. Sometimes it's hard. I definitely understand why mothers in the wild bite, you know, eat their children. Um, How am I supposed to rejoice always? I just, I don't get this. And then I continued reading it, and it says, the Lord is near. And if we can be mindful of the truth that the Lord is near, do we not always have a reason to rejoice? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And grabbing onto that fact that the Lord is near helped make those other two verses that I already knew more powerful. It really does change everything in my life when I live by the truth that the Lord is near. And living in that awareness means that regardless of the situation or circumstance I'm in, I can rejoice and be thankful He is always available to listen. I don't have to worry because he is near. Doesn't mean I don't worry. I just don't have to. Um, I can pray about any and everything because he is near. We owned a house in town, and my dream was to have a log cabin in the middle of the woods. We did ministry with a couple We did the high school ministry together, and they were our best friends. And together, we found five acres of wooded property in Talmadge, Ohio, that we could afford. So we went in together, and we bought it. And we helped them build their log home. And it was big enough that when our house sold, we could live in the basement while they helped us build ours. So we thought, okay, we're going to do this. And we borrowed the money for the land from his grandfather, and he allowed us to just pay the interest on it. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed for our house to sell because I already had the house plans drawn up. There was a big rock in the backyard that we were going to do tea parties on. I mean, I was home. And our house didn't sell. And our house didn't sell. And one of the elders in our church came to us and said, I will pay your house payment, and you don't have to worry about paying me back so that you can build your house. And my husband, I'm thinking, that sounds like a good deal to me. But my husband said, No, we're going to be financially responsible. When our house sells, then we'll build. So we just kept praying. And um, after two years, 
We had spent a lot of money on interest and didn't have enough extra money to pay down on the principal, so we were just throwing money in the garbage can. And we decided that maybe since we hadn't prayed about buying the property, that maybe God hadn't wanted us to buy it. So we put it up for sale in November in northern Ohio. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been in in northern Ohio in November, but it's pretty brown and drab. And November is right before Thanksgiving, which is right before Christmas. People aren't looking to buy property. They're looking to buy gifts and have family in. And our real estate agent patted me on the arm and she said, honey, I know you've been waiting two years for your house to sell and your land isn't going to sell real quick, but don't be discouraged in the spring. It'll sell. And I'm thinking, I'm so tired of praying. (laughs) Anybody else been in that place where you have prayed and prayed and prayed and you've said, but Lord, I can use this for ministry. And he's like, nope. But Lord, it's such a great idea. Nope. Or he's just silent, and you're like, why don't you listen to me? (laughs) Um, Within a week, we had a cash offer on our land. And we were thankful to be out of the debt. And that's when I started keeping track of thankfulness for unanswered prayers. If God had given me a car when I was 16, I probably wouldn't be standing here today because I got into enough trouble on my own with the places I could walk. If I had had a car, I hate to think of where I would have ended up being. It wouldn't have been a good thing. So God protected me, even though I didn't see it at the time and I didn't like, I definitely didn't like it at the time. God is a good father. And I'm reminded of Luke 11, 11 to 13, 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are, no, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? The Things that I thought were good for me were not good for me. If God had allowed us to buy or to sell our home, we would have built my dream home. I would have been sitting in that log cabin in front of the fireplace, drinking hot cocoa, sending the kids to the basement. Um, It was crazy because... We sold the property, came to terms with that, and Bill got a call from KCC to come for a job interview. I would not have been near as willing (laughs) to follow my husband joyfully, happily, if I'd had to give up my dream home in my dream place. So again, God protected me from something that was good because he had something better for us. He's able to see so much further down the line than we can. Before we, there was about a six-month gap between the time we sold our house and the time we were moving. So now we're selling, Lord, don't let our house sell. Lord, don't let our house sell. Because we, are, we can't move until July. And in February, our house sold. And I'm like, really, Lord? This isn't funny. And... Just so happens that when they did the inspection, there were some repairs that needed to be made. 
And by the time the repairs were done and it was reinspected, the closing date was the same weekend that we were moving. I have six children. Now, if you talk to them, they will tell you there are three that are chosen and three that are unchosen. I don't know where they get that from, but anytime we're together, they talk about it. And of the three that are chosen, there is a favorite, favorite, and that would be Ruth, the baby. And when they were little, they would say, Ruth, go ask dad, because if you ask him, he'll say yes. And um, sometimes I feel like that in prayer that I'm one of the unchosen children, that I'm over here, hey, Dad, can we? Nope. Hey, Dad, can I? Nope. So i got to find somebody who's on good terms with him to ask for me because I'm tired of hearing no. Um, But maturity and just life events have taught me that God our Father does not have favorites. He loves each and every one of us the same. The difference is that he knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes we think we know what's good for us, but we don't. And he sees so much. I mean, he sees all of our life and he knows what's coming. And sometimes he says no to a good thing because he knows there's something better going on. Don't lose faith. Trusting his goodness and trusting his love enables me to rest in hard places because I know he's good. And I know that I don't have to understand. I don't have to like it to trust him. We've talked about keeping it real. Keeping, maybe it's keeping it simple, keeping it real, and keeping it up. Keeping it simple means I pray about everything. Keeping it real means I pray whatever emotions I am feeling. Keeping it up means I don't stop. How many of you have a kid that's like, Mom, Dad? You're like, what do you want? And they tell you, and you tell them no. Mom, Dad, I just told you that 30 seconds ago. Mom, Dad, sometimes I'm that kid. (laughs) Um, If you get nothing else out of this morning, I hope that you will. I'm not done yet. I'm just doing a little commercial break here. I hope that you will understand that God loves you. One of my soccer girls painted this for me as a gift when she was a senior several years ago, and it says, thank you for loving us. And if I have ever prayed with you, nine times out of 10, that's what I start with, is Lord, thank you for loving us, because I think that if we know that he loves us, it changes everything about our lives. And one of the things that I want to do this morning is have you guys stand for a responsive reading. It's from Psalm 136. Please stand. I will read the first line, and then your response every time is the same. His faithful love endures forever. And it should be up here. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. He alone does great wonders. He made the heavens skillfully. He spread the land on the waters. 
He made the great lights, the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night. And I'm going to do a summary of verses 10 through 24, because some of it's kind of hard for little ears to hear. But my summary is that God sees us even when we are in bondage. He fights for his people, not against them. He protects his children. He provides for his children. He leads his children. He rescues his children. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heavens. And that's why I say thank you, God, for loving us. And I really thought that this was her thanking me for loving the team. But on the side of it, she wrote the Romans 8 passage that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And you all can sit. Places to pray. Anywhere. There is no one place that's better for prayer than another. I have prayed in hospital rooms. I've prayed in hospice, next to hospice beds. I have prayed in my car. I I don't close my eyes when I'm driving, though. Um, I have prayed in my living room. I have prayed walking. I have prayed sitting. I have prayed face down. I've prayed on my knees. I've prayed with my hands raised like this in praise, and I've prayed with my hands lifted in a fist, shaking them at my God saying, I don't understand. I don't like this. Why? He's a good father. He lets me get my temper tantrum out, and then he wraps me up in a big old hug and says, I love you. Trust me. One of the most powerful verses that I learned was Romans 8, 25 through 27. It took a whole lot of pressure off of prayer for me. Because it says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you pay attention to that, it doesn't say when we don't know how to pray or if we don't know how to pray. It says because We don't know what to pray. So there is no special formula. There are no special words that got God's attention more than other words. He just wants you to talk to him. It really is that simple. And he wants you to be honest with him. It really is that simple. I mentioned the two set this two seven series that I went through. This is how I learned to do consistent prayer. And Bible study, part of it is, um, I'll just show you a sheet real quick. Try not to have dead space because when you record things, dead space doesn't translate very well. This is a Bible reading highlights sheet. There's a, I'll get that later. Um, there's a place to put the date and the, the passage that you read, the verse that stuck out to you, and then a short space to do like, what you learned from that. This was very helpful for me. The other thing that it did was started prayer sheets, which is, these are my prayer sheets. Um, 
I don't even know how many are here. But this is what I was praying through every day, not because I'm a super saint, but because I have a really bad memory. And if I don't write it down, and I've told you I'll pray for you, then I feel guilty because I didn't do what I told you I would do. And it was the summer of 2022, last July. I was sitting um, in my blue chair in the library at my house and picked up my sheets and prayed through them. And I prayed through this side, then I prayed through this side, started praying through this side, and still had this deck to go through. And it was like I heard God say, stop. And I said, what? You want me to stop praying? Because that doesn't sound like you. That sounds like the enemy. So I picked him up again, and I heard, stop what you're doing. I said, okay, you don't want me to pray? I ain't praying. I wasn't in a real good mental space at that time. (laughs) Um, And I was really, really confused. I didn't stop praying. But for now, I'm not praying through these because what I had done was get caught up somehow in the belief that if I didn't pray through these prayers, God wasn't going to work. I thought that I was praying and leaving people at Jesus' feet. But I wasn't leaving them. I was carrying them with me. And I could hardly get myself from place A to B, let alone carry, I don't even know how many names are on there. The now I lay me down to sleep prayer that can, you know, cause a little nighttime confusion. (laughs) I didn't teach that to my kids when I realized it was a real thing. But they still had nightmares, and they would come in to, the, to my room at night, and I can't sleep. And I thought, I cannot do this. So I found Psalm, or, yeah, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. It says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And between that scripture of them claiming, I will trust in God. I will trust in God when I'm afraid. Not if I'm afraid, but when I'm afraid, I will trust in God. Gave them freedom to know it was okay to be afraid. And gave them a solution for where to go. And between that and my pillow had some magic power. Because if I said, after we prayed, or after we prayed through that scripture, I would say, do you want my pillow? Yes, please. And they would fall down and go right to sleep. Um, well, I'd like to think it was my pillow, but I really think it was probably the scripture and the Lord working over him, but the combination worked. So if you have kids who wake up at night with nightmares, you might try that verse and find a special pillow. I don't know, or a special blanket or something. Um, but pointing them to Jesus, pointing them to God when they have fears and other feelings is so huge. It's a, it's a great lifestyle or life skill. Think about the words you're praying when you pray. That God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. That's more than just mealtime. Sit down and say, can you tell me a way that God is good or how he's been good to you today? We know he is, but let's talk about what that means. Or God is great. What great thing has God done for you today? Let us thank him for our food. When you're out walking and you see an apple tree, thank you, God, for that apple tree. Thank you for the corn patch. Thank you for the tomatoes. Don't limit 
where you bring God into your family. Be careful what you pray for. When I was a young believer and I read the passage that says that we're supposed to love like God did, I thought, okay, I am going to pray that prayer. Lord, help me to love like you do. Because I wanted to be obedient. I was seeking hard after him. And then it felt like people were picking on me and being mean to me. And I thought, this isn't what I prayed for. I prayed for you to help me love like you love. And I had a picture in my mind of how I have treated him and how he has treated me. And I thought, oh, yeah, I haven't always been nice to you, have I? So that is why I will never, ever, ever pray for patience for myself or for you. If you have come and asked me to pray for patience for you, you've already heard this, but I will tell you no. Because life already offers enough opportunities to exercise patience without asking the Lord to give you more. Now, if you have a different opinion, that's fine. But please don't pray patience for me because my life is already crazy enough. (laughs) Um, Okay, there was another time when I prayed, and I prayed this every day for a lot of years. Lord put a guard over my mouth because I sometimes don't have a very good filter. And then I, in reading scripture, I found out, you know, what out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I would pray, Lord, cleanse my heart, seek, know what's inside so that what comes out isn't ugly. And I, I can't tell you who I was getting ready to see or what the situation was, but I said, Lord, put a guard over my mouth because I wanted to honor him. And I got laryngitis, people. <laughs> I could not speak. <laughs> So God does answer prayer, just not always the way we think he's going to do it. Um, Postures, positions for prayer. I already touched on this a little bit ago, um, and emotions in prayer. I have prayed with tears running down my face and snot slinging everywhere out of fear, out of anger, out of anxiousness, um, I've prayed reluctantly, Lord, do what you have to do to get his attention for one of my children who wasn't walking with Jesus. That's a scary prayer. I've prayed, um, hopefully, that we would sell the house so we could build. And other times. Uh, I've prayed angrily. I had somebody attack my character. And... um, I tried to be a woman of integrity, and we had had a discussion about a situation and had come to an agreement, and I was out of town, and while I was out of town, she called me and changed everything about the agreement and then told other people who were involved that if I didn't want to do it, that she had found people who would, and I thought, see, the before Jesus done it would have had a totally different um, reaction to that. (laughs) I would have defended myself. But I just thought, Lord, I can't defend against this. So I just prayed for her, and I prayed for myself, and continued to walk out what we what the original agreement had been, and people saw the truth. I couldn't have done that if I hadn't already prayed for the Lord to have control of my heart, because I would have fought for myself, and he didn't want me to fight for myself. Um, I have prayed loudly. I've screamed. I've prayed quietly and sensibly. I've prayed with no words of all, at all because sometimes they're just, you can't 
There are no words. I've prayed holding hands in a group. I've wrapped people up in a hug or been wrapped up in a hug to pray. <clears throat> I've prayed over the phone. I've prayed text messages. I sat on my back porch and pray. There is no wrong place to pray. There are no wrong things to pray about. We have done, I'm just going to do a real quick, <clears throat> excuse me, a real quick review over what we've talked a lot about as far as pray using that acronym P-R-A-Y. Pause. Sometimes that's the most important part of prayer for me is to just sit down and pause. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid that the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Salah. Stop fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Pause. Think about who he is and how he's worked in your life in the past, and rest in that when things seem overwhelming. Rejoice. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. I know I keep coming back to Philippians, but that's like the, the very first scripture, and I just kept adding to it things that were powerful for my toolbox. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Sometimes when I get caught up in that anxiousness, I'm not dwelling on things that are true or pretty or, you know, any of those things that we're supposed to. So that is a key passage that helps me form what I'm praying and how I'm praying. Ask the first half of Luke twenty-two forty-two. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. I have prayed that prayer. Um, my husband presented with kidney stones on a Tuesday. He went to, got a CAT scan on Wednesday. He was called to the doctor's office on Thursday. We went to King's Daughters Hospital. And in just over 24 hours, he was dead. Um, not from kidney stones. He had a... a an aortic aneurysm, the um, vessel coming out of the top of his heart burst. And I can remember praying when I went out of the room, um, Lord, I don't like this. I don't want to be a widow. But I know that you have an eternal plan that you're working. And I'm going to trust that you are going to be who you have claimed to be and who you've proved yourself to be in smaller things. Um, and then yield. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And when the doctor came out of the room and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. 
I was okay because I knew that my good father, the one who loved me, was not going to leave me. He was going to walk through all the ugly, all the hurt with me. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated. In your bags that your kids have, I think that there's a sheet that has the alphabet on it. I would encourage you to take it out. And if you're by yourself, you can do it yourself or with a group of friends. But one prayer that I do is, I call it the ABC prayer, where you take a letter of the alphabet and you think about either a name of God, an attribute of God, or a gift from God that starts with that. And we've built into the service just a couple of minutes for you to go ahead and do that practice now. And if you didn't have kids and didn't get a pretty little bag when you came in, just talk amongst yourself. A, Adonai, amazing. B, beautiful. This really is audience participation. You can go ahead and get in groups and talk about it. Um, I'm just doing this off the top of my head so that you maybe have an idea of what how to do this later. C, comforter. D, delightful. E, Emmanuel, God with us. F, faithful. G, grace-filled. H, holy. I, interesting. J, jealous. He is jealous for my attention. K, king of kings. L, lord of lords. M, master. N, never-ending. O, omniscient. Omniscient? I can never say those words right. He knows everything. P, provider, protector. Q, I forget what I had for Q. R, righteous. S, selfless. T, trustworthy. U, unbelievably kind. V, victor. This is not our home. We aren't going to see victory here. But as we walk in faith and trust, when we get to heaven, none of this matters. W, warrior. He fights for his children. X, exalted. He should be lifted up in our homes. W, X, Y. Yahweh. Z, zealous. He is zealous for for his people. He is interested and he has energy for us. And I would just say, you know, if if you're new to prayer and you're trying to figure out how to do this with your kids, because kids are busy. I had six, I know. Maybe take one letter a week. And this week we're going to think about things that remind us of God that start with the letter A. And if you go through the alphabet, you have material for six months. And if you do it again, you've covered the whole year in things that you can pray about with your kids. We're going to stand and close out with the Lord's Prayer, saying it together. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, everybody pray together. Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For if you could forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you that we can come to you just as we are, that we can be honest, we can be real, and you're big enough to take it and you aren't offended. You just want your children to come and be with you. Father, thank you for the hope and the truth and the comfort and the provision that you are to our lives. Thank you so much for Jesus who made life with you possible, who made us being your children possible. Father, and I pray that you will make us aware of your presence, that we will see you in ways that we've never seen you before and that we will want that so deeply that we'll continue looking and we will continue practicing because as we practice, it becomes a normal part of life and it just makes life so much more rich. Thank you for this time together this morning. May you be honored and praised in Jesus' name. Amen.